welcome to another episode of the Freewheeling Podcast. I am Abby Mickey, joined by very early in the morning this Sunday. This will go out Monday, but we're recording it the day after the course. Here with me is Lauren Rowney. Lauren? Morning, Abby. Oh God, my face just came on the screen. I'm looking away. (laughs) It's too early. My face is puffy and I have hay fever. Good morning. Happy to be here again. I'm really glad that we're recording this morning because yesterday's race was so exciting and it's still fresh in the brain. Yeah, definitely. Amy Jones. Hello. I've sunk one cup of tea and one coffee and I'll be with you very soon. (laughs) (laughs) It's 7.45 here. In the meantime, before we talk about the course, this episode is brought to you by POC and their line of women-specific clothing designed by women for women. The VPDS bibs are all the performance in one aerodynamic fabric you'll ever need. Designed with a unique suspender system that allows the bibs to be lowered without ever needing to take your jersey off for nature breaks, the ultimate VPDS bib shorts provide enhanced function during your longest rides. POC's unique VPD silicone chamois delivers unrivaled comfort and support. Pair the bibs with POC's essential road jersey for a clean and precise fit made with fabric that will keep you cool all day, even in the summer heat, although not necessary in the Breton region this weekend. Thank you so much to POC for sponsoring this episode. Abby, it sounded really vibey there for a second, like he was still at the race or something, like having a rave in the background. There's a street cleaner in the background. (laughs) Wow, that means I need to get my ears checked. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty sure Amy is the youngest on this podcast too. That's concerning. (laughs) Sometimes I don't feel like that though, (laughs) especially at seven o'clock in the morning. (laughs) We can let you wake up a little bit more because I was actually at the start of the course yesterday with Ronan McLaughlin, one of our tech writers on cyclingtips.com. So before we dive into the goings on of the race, let's hear a little bit from Ronan and I at the start. All right, Ronan, what are we looking at? We are down here in the sort of team zone before the start of the course uh we're just taking a look around some well i'm just taking a look around some of the tech we got corinne rivera corinne hi how's it going good 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 luck today thank you we keep getting sidetracked but we're still walking toward the team presentation so surrounded by riders and the circus of a professional cycling start Man, the Canyon SRAM cars are freaking cool. Look at that wrap job. Yeah. Um, well, also, have you seen the Swiss National Champ bike? Well, that's what I was just about to say. Was I'm sort of keeping an eye out for the Swiss National Champs bike because we're big fans of that, aren't we? That's we're right. big fans of the kit. Oh, yeah. You want to go wander over and see it? Yeah. Do I? She's not the national champ anymore, but the bike is still sweet. For sure. And they have this really cool color scheme where the size of the bikes are all different colors. So if they have like a small, it's pink. If they have a medium, it's turquoise. If they have a large, it's orange. I don't know if that's the right. The exact colors? I don't know if that's exactly right, but like that is to give you the general idea. Running the new uh, updated Canyon handlebars. Of course, the airroad had a bit of an issue earlier. We can see the Elise Shabby's bike here has the external cable routing, whereas 
Cassia's bike has the new handlebars with the internal routing again. Hmm. So very few riders, actually, when we were looking at the Movie Star team the other night, it was only Superman Lopez bike that had the new. So we're seeing some teams warm up. Yeah, actually, and just sort of looking at the time, it's still about 40 minutes to the start. Seems a bit early to be warming up, doesn't it? Not to question what they're doing, but just... Why, why would you warm up? What's the benefit of warming up? Well, I guess, you know, there's a lot of anticipation around today's course or today's race. It's most likely going to be uh, full gas from the start. So, you know, that warm up can make all the difference in whether you're ready to go from the gun or whether you sort of spend the rest of the day trying to catch your breath again. So um, sort of something that was overlooked for a long time. But I think a lot of teams now understand the importance of that. Personally, I'm a fan of a big oil ro rollout. A big old neutral zone mm. just get warmed up that way but certainly not the most professional way to do it i find performance aside i love warming up because you can put your energy and jitters into spinning your legs instead of hi instead of sitting in a chair and kind of jiggling your legs and being nervous i i much prefer to like adjust my cleats or change my saddle height or do something like that just you know that, that's that's how i tend to get rid of my nervous energy before the start so that sounds like a terrible plan oh that is the worst idea ever but it's that's why like, let me tell you something see if you're sitting two minutes before the start and you still don't have a saddle on your bike nothing gets the adrenaline going like quite like that have you actually done that nearly every race <laughs> maybe the, the saddle hasn't been off but i have certainly been stuck in the car park before a race start, you know, with the cleats of my shoes completely loose and watching the bunch roll out. And, and then that, that's my warm up then, just to try and get back onto the back of the bunch before the end of the neutral zone. For anyone who's listening and wants to know how to become a professional, it's not that way. <laughs> well, I guess that's why I never made it. Unfortunately, we're not allowed to really put our microphone in the faces of the riders. Um, otherwise, I would, because this is the best opportunity to talk to some girls, get some opinions, just say, hey, but with the COVID restrictions, we're not allowed to, to shove a microphone at them, so. Problem shoving it in my face. Yeah, but <laughs> we're in the same bubble. We are, yeah. <laughs> we're still walking up the start, finish, straight, sorry, start, starting straight towards the team presentation, which is going on where the race will start. I suppose one thing just to mention here is that there was a lot of speculation about the weather earlier this week. <laughs> and I think in terms of you know what the riders could hope for, for La Course in Brittany, it's just about as nice as it's going to get. We're standing here, shorts, at half eight or eight o'clock. I think uh, the riders certainly won't have an issue with the weather as well as getting that. And there is there doesn't even seem to be a breath of wind. So uh, anybody hoping to see some Echelon racing action? Maybe not today. Is that another reason to warm up? Uh, well, certainly, like if it's if you're if you're sitting in your team bus or whatever before the start and you're looking out and there's echelons and or sorry wind and rain, then you know the, the action is going to be on from the very start. You know you need to be ready to go and sort of before warm ups really took hold in the pro bunch. If you got to the start of a race and you've seen a lot of teams warming up, then you knew the uh, the action was on from the start that day. Well, we will wander over to the team presentation area and see what's going on over there. The big teams usually don't sign on until much later in the morning. But some of the smaller teams that are maybe a little more nervous, they'll, they'll go to the sign-on really early and go to the start long before this race begins.
it was really interesting walking around the start because you had a bunch of different teams that are all different levels getting ready for one of the biggest women's one day races of the year. I mean, say what you will about LaCourse. It's still the first day of the Tour de France. The hype is still real when it comes to this race. And some of the smaller teams that get into this race, it's the biggest stage that they'll ride on all year. So it was super interesting walking around because, for example, Trek Segafredo didn't leave their bus until about 10 minutes before the start. They went to the sign-on. And then you had some of the smaller teams that when we got there an hour and 20 minutes before the start, they were warming up on trainers. Um, fascinatingly, there was a 10K neutral, so the warm-up, potentially not necessary. Although we, if you've done a neutral <laughs> section of a bike race, like sometimes they're not not a good warm-up. It's just a lot. It's a lot at one time. But we walked around, saw some of the women warming up. We couldn't actually talk to many of them because you're not allowed to stick a microphone in people's faces um, for COVID reasons, but did uh, get a little bit of the vibe on the ground and got to see a lot of people that I knew, which was cool. Lucky you. Lauren, did you, did you guys warm up before races? What was your like pre-race? What was both of your pre-race routines? I feel like uh, maybe at the start. So think like in Australia, for example, the races start really early in the morning usually. Um, and it's just part of the thing you did was warm up, but it's because you're racing like no more than a hundred kilometers. This is back in the day. I'm talking over 10 years ago now. But um, no, when I was teammates with the likes of like Trixie Warwick and Ina, when I was basically just starting out, I was always observing everything they were doing. And unless it was like um, going to be a crazy hectic start, then we didn't, didn't sort of worry about it. Because like you said, there's either a neutral section or you ease into the race. Um, but there are some occasions where it's needed if it's really cold or, or yeah, like I said, if you just know from um, the, the get-go, it's, it's going to be a hectic race. A classic example is the old uh, Energy Walk Tour, which is the Healthy Aging Tour. That race was insane. And so you had to do a warm-up. Otherwise, you'd be on that start line and you'd be out of the race in two kilometres. Mine, if you care to know, was to... <laughs> was to frantically warm up either on the road or a trainer with a sense of impending doom and then just a mild, not even mild, extreme anxiety and stress and then get dropped in the neutral probably. <laughs> you sound like you had a fun time in bike race. Loved it, loved it. Can you tell? I mean, as far as warming up yesterday, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but the roads in the Britannia region are super small. They're very windy. The women's race yesterday, I think we didn't give it enough credit because it was just up and down and up and down. There was not a second that they weren't climbing or descending. Within the first 10 kilometers, at least 15 riders were done for the day out the back. Would have been me. And and <laughs> I mean, the 10 kilometers of racing and not neutral. The the roads, even even with the technical nature of the roads and the, and the climbing and the descending, the roads themselves, the road surface isn't, isn't like smooth road. It's really lumpy, super sticky, off camber. It's just the roads here are weird. So in that case, the warming up, 100% understand it. I probably also would have warmed up. And 
Let's dig a little bit into the actual race. So as I said, we didn't give this race enough credit. That final climb was so brutal. We were watching them when I was watching the men's race with Ronan and Phil, my colleagues at cycling tips, they were like, this climb is insane. It never ends. And I was like, well, the women did that four times. So <laughs> like the final climb was way harder than we thought it was going to be. And especially that bottom steep section with about 3k to go, it really pitched and it got up to 14% on that bottom section, but then it never stopped. It climbed for another K and a half. And then the final 500 meters was actually like a false flat downhill to the finish, which you definitely couldn't see on the profile. So not what we thought it was going to be per usual. That pretty much happens all the time. Whenever we do a race preview, we always (laughs) get it wrong. It's fine. Um, but but yeah, we picked the riders, guys. Everyone we thought was there was the seven riders were there. Yes. Hey, I said Sile, and everyone was like, "No, maybe not." But second place, lads. I was watching the final two kilometers, and when Anna Vanderbregen attacked, I was like, "Oh, how could I possibly have said this wasn't a course for her?" <laughs> I I wish I could take back my words. But yeah, the the final two, three kilometers was so exciting. I mean, between the attack from Sile and then the counterattack from Vanderbregen and then that coming together and then it being kind of a sprint finish, it was a little bit of a standstill there for a couple hundred meters because, you know, Voss was in that group as one of the best sprinters in the women's peloton. Clearly everyone would be afraid of her in that group running up to the line. But Demi Vollering, I mean, this rider is so impressive. She's only been racing for two years. She's only she's only been racing professionally for two years. She was on Park Hotel Valkenburg for 2019 and 2020. This is her first year on a world tour team. And at this point, she's... I was hanging out with someone yesterday who was like, what rider can you compare her to? One of my least favorite things to do, but... If you try to compare Vollering to one of the men or or any rider in the past, personally, I feel like that's a really hard task to do. Because if you compare her sprint yesterday to how she climbed on the final day of Burgos, I mean, she's incredible. I'm like floored by how versatile she is as a rider this new in her career. Yeah, I mean, even compared to Voss, it's probably someone you might more closely compare to, but at the moment, at the least, she's climbing better than her. Because um, I don't think Bo- uh, Voss would have made it up that last time in Burgos. Mm, good valid point. I would compare her almost to Voss uh, 10 years ago. Um, and her time trialing, I'm sure that's something she will work on because she'll be a formidable GC rider in the future. But again, she's so quick. And I think we said it in the preview that... If Voss and Vollering were there at the end, it you wouldn't want them there. She's just so strong at the end of a hard race, and that was it. Like I think she just had that extra, that extra little bit because Voss. Um, it was incredible. She was there. She's in top form. You can see she's looking super fit, but um, that heel would have cracked her legs a bit more and just played right into Vollering's um, hands. That's all I could think there. I was like. Thinking with the riders, the other riders there, like this is Vollering or Voss for me. But I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, Cecile got second. 
Um, so Voss was, was cooked and she had to lead it out at the end. But I was like, attack, someone just go. Like, don't wait for these riders. You're gonna, you're racing for second or third, third at the best. Like, just do something. I mean, if you're a Cassia or, you know, Grace Brown isn't afraid to have a crack right at the end, at the pointy end. Um, but it, it almost looked like everyone was thinking, oh, I can take this in the sprint when they lined up across the road. I was going, what is going on here? I think that finale where everything paused for a little bit and everyone kind of reassessed wasn't so much the the riders not knowing what to do or not reacting fast enough i honestly think it's a testament to how hard that climb was because after the ride after the race voss said that she just her legs on the climb it was she just kept saying the climb was so hard and volering said the same thing and i think the climb in and of itself was hard having doing it once, but doing it four times, four laps of that climb. I mean, it was like a three kilometer climb with a 14% chunk. It was that kind of just zaps your, the first time zaps your legs. The second time it implodes your legs. The third time you're clinging on for dear life. And by the fourth time you're like, get it over with (laughs) guys. I have to, I have to jump in here. How great would that finishing lap be? as a circuit race, just a full oh. on, just circuits, like think world championships in Bhutan in the future. It would be Oof, like would really, be so awesome. really hectic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it would be chaos. It would be complete chaos. Yeah. And we'd love every second of it. <laughs> Going back to that, like the last few Ks, I think that's why I was really happy to see Cecilia get second because she was the only one who really did try and light it up at the finish and and actually make a move out of that group um and yeah that his speed there must I mean to overtake Voss at the finish that's pretty impressive I think she's gained a lot of confidence in her racing since she won in Burgos her first women's world tour race um so that was pretty cool to see I think if you're a rider, um well yeah lining up at the Giro which I'm guessing we'll get to um you take a lot of confidence away from, from a ride like yesterday. So yeah. And like you were saying that climb must've been that hard because usually she's quite a quick finisher in a hard race, um, Ludwig, but it must've been that hard that yeah, she came over the top of Voss. So yeah, it was exciting. Oh, and it's probably a really nice result. Of course, Sile, she wants to win and she fought for the win yesterday, but given that nationals didn't go the way that she wanted to, this result will be pretty huge going into the Giro next. I mean, she's going to take even more confidence out of this, out of forget that it's second place at La Course. She beat Voss in a granted uphill ish finish sprint, but that in and of itself is going to fuel some confidence going to the Giro where I think with the form she has, a stage win is well within her reach and her big goal coming up is the Olympics, which we saw today a pretty good glimpse of who is on form going to the Olympics and, and who is going to need to tune their form a little bit in the coming month. Oh, and I think it's worthy to mention the riders that were really making the race before we got to the crunch time of the last three kilometers. Like, it was consistently the same people, it seemed, going in those moves, right? 
it was like it would come back and then form Brody again. Chapman? And Brody had such a great race yesterday. Brody, Michaela Harvey, they both had really great races yesterday. Ruth, Neve Fisher Black, and Neve still finished pretty high up. She was still one of SD Works top finishers after Vanderbregen and, and Vollering. She's I, I honestly can't believe that we got audio diaries from her for <laughs> Burgos, <laughs> given how incredible of a rider she is. Because usually those top riders, they they're focused on the race. Maybe it's because she's so green. She listens to the pod. She does. Oh, great. We're giving you a shout out again, you little legend. Hi, <laughs> she's and, amazing. Um... Honestly, actually, sorry, I'm she makes me nervous, Neat Fisher Black. I don't know why, but I, I saw her I saw her twice yesterday and I was like, I should say hi. And I saw her in Girona the other day and I was like, I should really introduce myself. You got a crush. <laughs> I'm I'm just intimidated. <laughs> Abby, to be honest. stop fangirling. You're Abby Mickey, editor of the Women's yeah. Cycling Tips. Come on. Well, Neve, and if people... you're listening, hit Abby up. She really wants to meet you. <laughs> Slip into oh her DMs. God. Slide in the DMs. <sighs> yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Grace Brown. Excellent ride. As well. So strong. I was listening to it in um, the Dutch commentary when she was in the break with Ruth Winder. And they just love her over here. They're just going on and on about Grace Brown, Grace Brown. If you're in this group and you're looking around, like she is the top rider here, like you wouldn't want to be in a, in a move with her. And then at the finish, she was still there. So, I mean, it's unsurprising. She's just phenomenal. I have to give a shout out. And again, a rider who rose up really quickly um, through mm-hmm. the ranks. So tell you put in a epic dig. Tiffany Cromwell at the bottom of the last Oh climb. yeah, I was like, holy, she just shot out. Like, that was a... Canyon Sram, yesterday, I can't believe I'm saying this, but their tactics were actually really good, I mm. thought. It just... Their tactics at the Lotto Belgian Tour mm. were the final stage of the Lotto Belgian Tour. Something is in the water at Canyon Sram mm-hmm. where all of a sudden... No, that sounded wrong. <laughs> there's, there's something going on over there. Oh, cycling, where you can't say things like that. <laughs> Yeah, if it was any other sport, man. <laughs> Something has brought all these riders together over at Canyon Stram, and their toxic tactics are transforming. We've in the past we have really been hard on Canyon Stram for the way that they race, but not only did they at the Lotto Belgian Tour have the absolute best tactics of the day when Ami Lusik won her first race in three years since 2018 when she won the national championships back to back. Those were her last wins until she won the stage of the Lotto Belgium tour and their tactics that day were so impressive. I mean, they had Alice in the break, then they had Hannah Ludwig on the attack and then Ami Lusik, she just incredible. And the whole team was incredible. And yesterday was the same thing with Canyon Stram. And it's a bummer that Kasha didn't quite have the, the legs to finish it off. But I think that the the least of their worries right now, given the fact that the whole team is riding so well, Kasha winning yesterday, well, very much within her grasp, was maybe she's not raced in a while. She's been at altitude for a really long time, and we've talked in the past about what altitude can do when you're coming down. In in the long run, it's pretty much always really good for the form, but it takes a second for it to click in for some riders, so perhaps that's why she she wasn't just on fire yesterday, but her attack was still so impressive. So Canyon Stream yesterday, Amy, you're right. I mean, they're they're coming around. Their tactics are coming around. Their racing style is coming around. Maybe it's all these young riders that are kind of infusing a little bit more 
excitement into the team. They've picked up so many young riders and Tiffany is riding the best we've seen her race in years, which has got to feel so good from a rider who's been in the Peloton for so long. And I always got the feeling from her the last couple years that she just felt really disgruntled with her form all and, and was just pretty bummed about it. Um, just from interviews and stuff. Cause I, I don't know her obviously, but yeah, her, her attack yesterday was blistering. I mean, she really set, set it off on the bottom of that climb. She started the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you're spot on. They've brought in a bunch of, yeah, new riders. It's just a really diverse group. And like we've seen, a team doesn't, ha- you don't have to have all the best riders in the world. I mean, SD works is one of those teams that is just completely stacked, but they do click. There is a gel there. And I think that's what's happened with Canyon Shram is they're just really gelling. They're probably having a lot of fun. Tiffany Cromwell, fantastic road captain. Um, and there's just a lot of trust in each other. Um, I'm not sure who is DSing there f- at full time at these races. Um, but it just looks to be working. So, um, and they were an exciting team for a long time. Like that's sort of the history of that team is always being really aggressive and the protagonists of the race. So yeah. Um, yeah, it was really, really impressive. And, you know, she's going to Olympics in a month, Tiff. So great to see that the form is there and she's got the confidence. And I think, I mean, I am Aussie, so the Aussies have got a a nice little team that they're sending. Between Grace Brown and Tiff, one of the teams for the Olympics that we absolutely will keep, keep an eye on is, is the Aussies. Yeah. Other than I could not recognize Elise Chabé the whole race. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. (laughs) It was, I was just like, no, (laughs) it's your jersey. (laughs) But she doesn't wear it. Just, you know. Just so we know who she is, and can it we looks just so like good. veto the nationals <laughs> just because we love that jersey? <laughs> Sorry, Marlon Russo. <laughs> Nothing against Marlon no, Russo and her two and a half minute victory at the national championships. Yeah, yeah but the Canyon Shram national kits are just always—they're so good at that. So, so pretty. Good. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, moving on. Speaking of the Olympics which we speak about all the time. I can't wait until they're over and we can not talk about them anymore. But <laughs> in the meantime, they're still on. So one month to go. I think we need to talk about what this victory means for the Dutch team at the Olympics, because we said when the team came out that it was going to be probably Demi doing a lot of the work for Anna Van, Anna Van to attack on a meek also going on the attack, maybe a long range one as is her specialty and for Voss in the sprint. But I think that this finish completely upends any plans the Dutch had for what their tactics were going to be at the Olympics, because Demi is their girl. I I have to agree with you. I mean, they have four cards they can play, but again, it's just, I feel like we're still not sure. Although Abby, you did, put something on our group chat about how hard the Olympic road race was going to be. Am I wrong? Or did I, did I dream that? I think you looked into it a bit more. Yeah. I'm starting to think that I, I shouldn't be allowed to make calls on what courses are and what that means for races, because it seems like I'm always wrong. But 
from the look of the Olympic road race. It's pretty rolly, like punchy little climbs before it hits one big climb. So then it climbs for a while and it plateaus. And then there's a small kicker and then they descend to the Tokyo Formula One circuit. And then they do, I think, three laps of that circuit. So there is a climb, but there's a lot, a long, long descent and then a flat finish, basically. Like the circuit might have some tiny little- Kickers. mm, Not even kickers, just like false flat sections. Mm. But for the most part, the final, I'm gonna gonna just go ahead and say (laughs) 10K at least- is gonna be pretty flat. So this race could go many ways, but my current feeling with the descent and that and the circuits is that it's gonna be a small bunch, a small bunch that comes over that maybe one or two, maybe some riders get off the front on the climb and try to stay away on that plateau. But I think it's all going to come back together on the descent or on the circuits. And then it's going to be a bunch sprint of maybe 10 riders. That's kind of what I'm thinking, looking at the course. And if that's the case, then I don't really see anyone beating Demi. Yeah. It's, I think the best thing to do is really to speak to, we know that quite a few of the teams have been over there speak to a few of the different riders and just say like pick different riders, different types of riders, get their opinion. Like Ashley Mormon has been, hasn't she? I think last mm-hmm. year the Dutch have been, uh, I think. Hannah Barnes and, and Lizzie have been. Yeah, exactly. But like you said, the, the question will be how hard is that climb um, and whether riders will come back after it because if there is a long enough period to the finish it yeah we're not talking about teams of seven or six that we're used to we're talking of teams of four and less so it's a completely different different situation to world tour racing and then with the killer v's based on what we've seen three of them were there yesterday one wasn't racing so i mean if you have the whole Dutch national team there, they can basically throw any card at the riders left in that group. And yeah. I actually asked Voss about the Olympics after the race and about racing with Demi, pulling on the national jersey together instead of racing against each other and and let her know that we do have a nickname for her. So I'm going to throw that audio in right now. Well, well, of course, in the end, when you tried your best, you can't be too unhappy. But um, at first, I was a little, little disappointed uh, crossing the line, and I, I, I knew I didn't really do or make any big mistakes. And when they meet, then it's faster at the line, and it is how it is. And it's, it's a very nasty, <laughs> nasty last climb. So it's not a sprint as you, as a normal, normal sprint as you would expect. So as far as putting aside train trade team colors yeah. and moving into your dutch colors yeah how do you feel about being teammates with her yeah. in tokyo well of course such a, such a talented talented rider um, and um, well after liege bastogne liege and winning here 
Um, it's it's fantastic to be to, to be lining up with her alongside Anna van der Breggen and Annemiek van Vleuten. I think it's a, it's a very strong team, and we still know. I mean, it's still a race that has been has to be raced, and it's going to be hard. So um, yeah, we really want to show our Dutch uh, nation there and our Dutch colors. We've nicknamed you the Killer Bees. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, How's the team, how's the new team this year going from, you've been with the same organization for so long and now yeah. you're on a new squad. Yeah, I'm very happy. I feel feel very comfortable in this, in this new team and it's a very uh, high quality, high standard team. Um, so being part of that and yeah, we're all, uh, of course, we're all proud wearing this, well, yellow and black <laughs> i mean that's the killer bees uh, yeah <laughs> and um yeah so for, yeah for me it's it's nice to be in this new environment to have this this fresh uh, people around me and yeah we're all happy to to race and to be up front and showing our colors and this the, the yellow and black speaking of taking notice i think we can kind of wrap this episode up by talking about the fact that this was probably the last la course and the feeling on the ground from the riders all the riders i talked to about whether or not they're going to miss la course was pretty much a resounding no <laughs> the whole peloton is not that they're glad to see la course go because it's it's still a really exciting one day event but Everyone is looking forward to the Tour de France Femme of Exwift next year and what that means for women's cycling. So what does that mean for women's cycling? I mean, we've talked about it a little bit in the past, but the sheer magnitude of having a women's Tour de France is something that could completely change the sport for the future, completely change it. We could be looking at a completely different sport in two years time when we've had one edition of the Tour de France Femme of X-Swift with the amount of people that could be watching the women race every single day. I mean, it has to be done right. It has to be, it has to be done properly. There has to be big mountain climbs and there has to be epic sprints and there has to be, you know, the right amount of coverage on the race, but it's, it is well within the ASO's hands to completely change the sport of women's cycling in a year, which has its own, drawbacks but the feeling on the ground yesterday from the riders is that they don't care that there will not be a La course next year someone asked lizzie dagden is this going to be the last edition of La course and she said let's hope so <laughs> so <laughs> it's not that the riders don't you know appreciate this this one day event because it is really exciting and winning it is a big deal but the course the the tour de france for the women is a bigger deal yeah, well, I mean, you think if you're a rider, I think Lizzie even said this in the run-up or one of the riders in the run-up. Great. Love that thing. It's awesome. Um, it got me really excited about the race. But going back to what I was saying, if you ask any um, person from most countries, like I'll use Australia example or even the USA, who don't follow cycling, everyone knows what the Tour de France is. You might not necessarily know the riders. You might know who won, but everyone knows what the Tour de France is. And I'm talking about like even complete bogans in Australia know what the Tour de France is. 
bones. <laughs> yeah, come on. There's Aussie listen- listeners here, and uh, they'll understand what 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 I'm talking about. <laughs> In Dutch, I just did my. Yeah, there we go. So it is. It's it's iconic, and like there is no place now for the course, I guess, because when you have this proper stage race, which is what Catherine Bertin was working towards, this was the end goal. So. I mean, for, for the people who were champion to have this race, Emma Pooley, Chrissy Wellington, um, this was the Voss. goal. So Voss, exactly. They'll be applauding because that was the whole idea in 2014 was bring back a women's Tour de France because we can see the value in it. It will bring more attention to the women's peloton. And with that, yeah, of course, media, which then can translate to more sponsorship, putting the women on a world stage and then, we can slowly build from there. And once the once people actually see the women's racing, once they've actually watched a women's race, there's no longer a question of whether or not the women are exciting to watch. I think that there's a lot of people out there who think that women's cycling isn't worth it, but they have not actually watched a women's race if they think that, or they've caught one of the rare occasions where it's where the race isn't super exciting. But for the most part, I mean, we've talked about this before. Men, there's men's races that are boring as hell to watch. So, and the men even say that themselves. And like, you know, you just looked on Instagram and social media yesterday. I think every men's team that was partnered is partnered with a women's team who was watching the women's race like either on the team bus, on their phones, they were all engaged with it. Connor Ronan McGaughan from Cycling Tips. And yesterday we had the start of the course and the finish of the course before the uh, Tour de France day started. Yeah. Did you watch the course on TV in the bus or anything beforehand? Yeah, I had it on the TV in the hotel room uh, before. And um, but yeah, I didn't get to see much of, you didn't see much, the much of it. No, 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 no. I think there might have been a benefit for some riders in that. Yeah, potentially, actually. Yeah, obviously, some guys might have watched uh, you know, the, the final and how that panned out and who attacked where or you know, put the pace on where. But, um, but yeah, yeah, potentially, yeah. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you. So all the fanboys of men's racing who are like, no one watches women's racings. Well, actually, the people that you fanboy after, they're watching the women race. So I think that says something. And Voss said after the race yesterday, when asked about the the Tour de France femme avec Swift next year, she said that the Tour de France is something that transcends cycling. It transcends sport. It's the name, the Tour de France is just so significant in the sport of cycling. And every single year, millions of viewers who have no idea what the Tour of Flanders is, they have no idea what Strada Bianchi is. They don't even know that men have three week long stage races. They tune in to watch the Tour de France and the women have an opportunity to benefit from that name. And that's huge. We sure, maybe not the best thing we can debate it in the future, but it still stands that having the women have a race that has that name in the title is going to be, that's not low course by the tour de France, because then people just shorten it to low course. The tour de France femme avec Zwift is just going to be shortened to the tour de France femme 
Swifts. Uh, yeah. We love Swift. I'm sorry, but that's just like <laughs> it's a little bit of a mouthful. But yeah, it's it, it's a name that is completely transcendent of sport. And Sile said after the race, everyone knows what the Tour de France is. My grandma even knows what the Tour de France is. <laughs> I hope her grandma also knows what like Trofeo Alfredo Bindo is because Sile has been on the podium how many times in the last like, four <laughs> years of that race? But not the point. The Tour de France is huge. The magnitude of this race is unfathomable when if you compare it to other races. So it's gonna be it's gonna be great for women cycling, regardless of what negative side effects there is. Having the ASO having have so much power within the women's sport that they haven't had in the past. Yeah, you can only hope, I guess, that like having that higher profile and the ability to incorporate like the household name of the Tour de France into women's racing allows for the other aspects of women's racing that are, you know, like you just mentioned, Trofeo Alfredo Binder, people might tune, more people might tune into that having watched the women's Tour de France, sorry, the Tour de France form of X Zwift. Um, and because they've watched women's racing, they're like, oh, oh another women's race that I can watch that's going to be really exciting. And one thing that I noticed yesterday was that a lot of interviews with riders are saying um, people go, oh, you're a cyclist. Have you raced the Tour de France to the women? And now they can say yes or the, that they're going to. Because, um, yeah, like it or not, maybe more not, um, the, it is just like a name that, yeah, transcends the sport. Like you say, Lauren, you walk up to like any rando in the street and say, what's the Tour de France? They have a kind of idea. If you go, what's the Vuelta a España? They're like, don't know, is it? It's like Wimbledon, Paella? right, for, for tennis. You know, if you don't watch yeah. tennis, people know what Wimbledon... Actually, people who don't even follow tennis will watch Wimbledon. It's just... I watched a movie about Wimbledon once. It was a tennis movie. It had... Oh, I know the one. Yes. It's like yes. a rom-com. Yeah, isn't it called it's a Wimbledon? Rom-com. I think it yes. is. No, no, it is. It's called Wimbledon. It is. And it's got... Amy, fact check it's corner. It's a tennis-based... Not a rom-com. It's, it's like not- a... Doesn't it have the guy from from Bendit? Like, yeah, male. Lead? I don't know. We're going off topic here, but it is a good movie. <laughs> this is a cycling podcast. <laughs> Maybe they should make a rom com about the women's Tour de France. You and Neve Fisher Black just. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> okay. okay that's... All right, <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> That's all we got for today. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week for another edition of the Freewheeling Podcast, Giro edition. Actually, maybe we'll do like a pre-Giro mini show later in the week because a lot of the women racing on Saturday went straight to the Giro Rosa because it starts on July 1st. So maybe we'll do another episode sooner than you think. We're going to throw a smattering of episodes at you guys during the Giro Rosa, not the dailies because we're saving those for the tour of Norway and the women's tour in October, but we will probably do more than one episode on the Giro Rosa. So stay tuned for that. And once again, thank you so much to Pac for sponsoring this episode. And thank you to the Velo club for making our podcast exist. I thought you were going to say great again. (laughs) And we're out. Bye everybody.
Yeah. Me again, yeah. Just tell me quickly. Uh, yesterday we had La Course before the uh, Tour de France stage. Did the team watch the La Course finish on the bus before the start? Yeah, we did. As soon as uh, we got to the start, we put the. Well, we did the meeting and then we put it on the same meeting screen, the big screen. I suppose it's good for just getting an insight into the finish and, and seeing what lies ahead. Yeah, for sure. And also, I mean, last year we watched our ladies win it um, in the sprint as well. It was, it was fun. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, we were cheering. Uh, this year, unfortunately, they didn't do it as well, but uh, they got ninth, we got ninth. And there's some uh, connection there. Get some motivation going. Do you think that should have been the approach for the Tour Feminine Avec Zwift? That maybe the day before or, or the same time that the, the the new women's Tour de France ran, you know, in conjunction with the, the men's Tour de France? It would for sure be interesting if uh, they did it the day before or just even like finished before. We would definitely watch it just because, yeah, it gives you a good uh, view of the course and everything. Um, would, would be cool if they, yeah, I mean, also for the media and everyone, it would be super sweet if they were here or hereabouts, not just like an afterthought. Thank you.